Hi-ho, Tudor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Time Machine. The expression I share with you this week is fancy monger. For my fellow ladies-in-waiting and I, our days in the service of our gracious mistress, Queen Elizabeth, are full of many serious pursuits. We must ride to the hunt with the court. We must stand for hours around the throne as the queen receives ambassadors and dignitaries. We must study Latin and music and bend to our needlework. But, oh, when released from our duties, we do turn to the sweet things of this earthly life. I do confess us fancy mongers. We talk of nothing but love. We babble to each other of the gallantry of suitors. We share the flowery words they write us. We share the secrets of trysts, clandestine meetings, the press of a hand, the exchange of a kiss. Oh, to be a fancy monger is delightful. Fancy monger. How now, Tudor Files? What think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with Philadelphia Carey. For Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. So diverting. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Tudor Files are an amazing bunch. Every one of you has the wit of Rosalind, who we will hear more about, and the heart of Cordelia. Can you give us the spelling of Fancymonger, Philadelphia? It is spelled F A N C Y. M-O-N-G-E-R. And this expression is made up of two words we still use today, fancy and monger. But fancy in this sense means love or desire, like I fancy you, not elaborate and expensive items like a fancy watch or a fancy dress. And monger in... This sense here is someone who trades in a specific commodity. So we usually use monger now for someone who encourages an action or a feeling. And it's usually a negative feeling. We say fear monger, war monger. We don't say joy monger. But they said fancy monger. That's so funny. <laughs> so in the 16th century, a fancy monger meant basically a person who promotes love, who outwardly shows their love for another person. Someone who carries their heart on their sleeve. Or nails love poems to the trees of a forest for everyone to read, like Orlando does in Shakespeare's As You Like It. And for doing that, he gets called a fancy monger. I really love As You Like It. I know it's not the most done of Shakespeare's plays, but I saw such a great production of it at the Royal Shakespeare Company in Stratford. It was just such a delightful play. It was funny and whimsical. And at the heart of it is this wonderful female friendship between these noble cousins, Rosalind and Celia. Philadelphia, what is the plot of As You Like It? Well, in a nutshell, because of rivalry between noble brothers, the gentle Rosalind is banished and her cousin Celia and she flee to live in the forest. They bring the court jester Touchstone with them. In the forest is also living another jester, Jacquees, who moons about, and he and Touchstone befriend one another. Well, they have a lot of witty and hilarious conversations together. Oh, I suppose so. In the forest also dwells the noble Orlando, 
who has been robbed of his place at court because of his jealous older brother, Oliver. Orlando saw Rosalind at court before they all fled to the forest and fell violently in love with her and pins his verses to her on the trees of the forest. Rosalind takes the disguise of a boy while tarrying in the forest. In this guise, she tells Orlando she shall cure him of his lovelorn ways for Rosalind. Oh, and there are subplots with Touchstone and Jackwees and some country lass, and it is all quite silly. At the end, all is restored and the nobles are reinstated at court, and Rosalind and Orlando are united, and Oliver has a complete change of heart, and in the end he and Celia, who we have never seen meet on stage, marry. It is a silly affair. But Rosalind is, some would say, the greatest wit, even greater than Falstaff, that Shakespeare ever created. I love Rosalind. Is it that you really don't like the play, Philadelphia? Oh, ho-hum, I do not like the pastoral. I prefer Master Shakespeare's plays that are set in more noble haunts, at the courts of the great, in the cities of Italy, in the Egypt of the fiery Cleopatra, in the Rome of Caesar. Master Shakespeare pretends the forest to be a utopia, but I do not believe him. The forest is a nasty place, full of insects and beasts and brambles that catch one's dress and mud that splatters one's shoes. But Midsummer Night's Dream takes place in a forest, and you admire that play, don't you? Tis so, but that is a forest full of fairies, and the king and queen Titania and Oberon. That is a noble forest, and the lovers are noble, and the mood is playful and brilliant. In this as you like it, the lovers are noble, yes, but they spend the play in woodland dress. The male, Orlando, is in some woodland garb, and Rosalind is dressed as a poor lad, as this gammonine. Oh, it is dreary. And then Master Jaques wanders about singing melancholy dumps. Jaques has one of the most famous speeches in the entire canon, the Seven Ages of Man speech. Yes, and that speech ends with the last age of man. That ends this strange eventful history, is second childishness and mere oblivion, sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. How sad, how deplorable. That's true. Shakespeare does not paint kind pictures of aging. That's true. This is not the forest of the imagination in Midsummer Night's Dream, but a forest of plain old France, with no sprites and fantastical creatures, only lovelorn low-class people who drumble about in the foliage. Ah, oh, Philadelphia, your snobbishness is showing. I do acknowledge it. The play is called As You Like It. I like it not thus. All right, then. Let's let Tudorphiles make up their own minds about this play. Let's listen to this exchange between Orlando and Rosalind, who, remember, is dressed as a boy. And this is where our Tudor word of the week, fancy monger, is used in As You Like It. There is a man. Haunts the forest. 
abuses our young plants with carving Rosalind on their barks. Hangs odes upon hawthorns and elegies on brambles, all forsooth deifying the name of Rosalind. If I could meet that fancy monger, <laughs> I would give him some good counsel, for he seems to have the quotidian of love upon him. I am he that is so love-shaked. I pray you, tell me your remedy. There is none of my uncle's marks upon you. He taught me how to know a man in love. In which cage of rushes, I am sure you are not prisoner. What were his marks? A lean cheek, which you have not. A blue eye and sunken, which you have not. An unquestionable spirit, which you have not. A beard neglected, which you have not. But, but I, I pardon you for that. For simply your having in beard is a younger brother's revenue. Then your hose should be ungartered, your bonnet unbanded, your sleeve unbuttoned, your shoe untied, and everything about you demonstrating a careless desolation. But you are no such man. You're rather point device in your accoutrements, as loving yourself and seeming the lover of any other. Fair youth. I would I could make thee believe I love. Me believe it. You may as soon make her that you love believe it, which I warrant. She is apter to do than confess she does. That is one of the points in the which women still give the lie to their consciences. But in good sooth, are you he that hangs the verses on the trees wherein the name of Rosalind is so admired? I swear to thee, youth, by the white hand of Rosalind, Rosalind. I am that he. That unfortunate he. But are you so much in love as your rhymes speak? Neither rhyme nor reason can express how much. Love is merely a madness. And I tell you, deserves as well a dark house and a whip as madmen do. And the reason why they're not so punished and cured is that the lunacy is so ordinary that the whippers are in love too. Yet I profess curing it by counsel. I love the language and I love this relationship between them. I think it's great. I think it's such a sweet scene. And unsurprisingly, Rosalind says many, many witty and insightful things. Oh, yes, I admit Master Shakespeare is always a fine wordsmith, but I am no Rosalind. I would not woo my swain while dressed as a common lad. No. Indeed not. I should don my finest robe bedazzle the gentleman with my finery and bring the fancy monger to his knees with my nobility and my hauteur. Well, everyone is different. It should be as you like it. <laughs> well said, my dear Gage. So give heed to the files. Bring some 16th century source to your love life with fancy monger. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Music